Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Level Up Human, the comedy science podcast Souping up the Homo sapien. Hello, dear humans, and welcome to episode 10 of Level Up Human Extra, where we're looking uh, kind of behind the science of what's happening right now and what it might do to our future. Uh, my name is Simon Watts, I'm your host, and I'm joined by producer Rachel Wheelie. Hello! Hello again, Rachel. Hi. You're happy because Elon Musk is in the news again, and if ever... Like, as far as celebrity crushes go, I think this has to be the most nerdtastic one I've ever come across. Elon Musk has put a big, massive white rocket in space. Tell me why that excites you, and should your husband be worried? I think that sentence already <laughs> explains why. I mean, it's completely ludicrous, isn't it? It's like the most stupid, stupidly awesome thing that's ever happened. It, well, it isn't and it isn't, because, again, this, as is the case with private companies, has turned into massive PR stunt this one just happens to be shoved on top of a rocket. And for our listeners at home, to make sure they're caught up to speed with what's happening with this, please tell everyone, why are you so excited and why on earth has this man stuck a stupid car so, into a rocket? Well, if you haven't heard about it, uh, Elon Musk's company SpaceX have launched a massive rocket into space, which is basically three rockets strapped together. And it is the... it's It's capable of carrying twice the payload of anything else out there essentially at the moment not and not anything else that's ever been created because i think the the rocket that took the apollo 15 into orbit was much more powerful than this one but in terms huge. of what's actually there now this is twice twice the payload launch lift capability of anything else out there you got all the words in there and you could for that, that was... i mean i'm proud of that the whole explanation that's more or less what happened and then because he's Zayford Beeblebrox on earth <laughs> he put his Tesla in it and uh, people are very very concerned about this demonstrating the ultimate peak of consumerism and how awful it is what with the polarization of how much money there is in the world and, and yeah. all this stuff and I'm like look it's the greatest PR stunt of all time the space race that we've got now is not between nationalities and their space agencies, but it's between the rich white men of the world, essentially. And yes. and you've got the rabbit and the tortoise, literally, because Jeff Bezos, my other bae, has got this 
we've spoken about the crest of Blue Origin before, about how it's got these rampant turtles on it, right? Yeah. Jeff Bezos is... Tortoises. Yes. Well, you would know. Actual MO is to do these incredible things incredibly slowly and carefully, whereas Elon Musk is basically just sticking two fingers up to that and sending a car into space on the side of a rocket with don't panic written on the dashboard. And the the thing is that Musk is the one who's going to get burnt because when when something of his explodes, it's yes. going to look really stupid because he is this reckless... It is a reckless looking maneuver to put a car in space however carefully that's been done so that it doesn't go wrong it looks reckless and so when something goes wrong for him it's going to look really bad whereas jeff bezos is just very slowly and carefully doing whatever he's doing something goes wrong for him it's not going to look quite so stupid so musk is burning very bright right now and and, he might get and it might result. just go out of interest because one of the things we also to think of for the space race is in the past it was entirely uh, tied up with the Cold War. And bearing in mind that the we seem to be heading into a new one right now. I don't think it's got anything to do with that. No, but I'm wondering if it may eventually. Like One of the things that the reason why Sputnik was so scary was not because of its ambition to take things to the stars, but because it meant that suddenly the USSR had the capability of an intercontinental ballistic missile. That was, mm. that was the thing. That's so true. And what, now it's all about capitalism. Yes. So maybe Musk is going to be raising a private army and we're going to have Teslas raining down upon everyone. I think what this is really going to be is all this showboating is going to result in some quite cool travel innovation because what they're actually going to be using these rockets for is taking people around around the globe really, really quickly. Okay, but it also means that a company founded originally on pretty decent green credentials, like an electric car was trying to stop fuel consumption. And what's one of the biggest fuel consumers if it became a commercially viable thing? Space travel. Are you saying there's something slightly ironic about Elon Musk putting a green car on top of the equivalent of 18 aeroplanes and firing it into space? Exactly right. I think you're correct. But I'm going to buy a Tesla only if I can put a bumper sticker on it saying my other car is in orbit. That's that's quite sweet. Or my other car is on the way to an the, asteroid belt because it overshot slightly and isn't going around the sun at all. There's a couple of other achievements here because actually we could argue that these, and, and this is a, a strange argument, but it's but there's still something to it, that these actually are green rockets. Because the thing is, these ones can be reused. The The big uh, achievement that he's done here is not just sending a stupid car to a stupid place, but also that he was able to re-land his launchers That's with great accuracy. absolutely nuts about it, is that the two rockets that were strapped to the middle rocket, with the yeah. one with the car in it, landed on the landing pads was- in a way which blows my mind. And we need to talk to David McEwen about this, yes, uh, which it, we're going to try and do. David, I think you are probably what I can describe as the most blasé rocket scientist I've ever met. Um, your description yeah. of how rockets are fine so long as they go up and don't come down has kind of been proven yeah. by Elon Musk this week. How do, you, how do you feel about this news? News is great. New rockets not blowing up in the launch pad is always a success. So it's a, he- it's a heavy one. It's got, it's got lots of power, you know, bigger the better. But, but the, the great thing is that it, it, the more people that put stuff up and for cheaper, it means greater access to space, which is great for anybody who's involved in space. So to see him succeed is fantastic. It, it's going to mean that we can put stuff up to space for cheaper. So it's great. Okay, so while we're on this and you're saying we're, we're sticking more stuff up there, would you have chosen an electric car as your first payload? It, well, I mean, it is a massive PR stunt and they, um, they're good at that. 
um, <laughs> SpaceX, and they're good at, at saying stuff, but then they're backing it up. So I'm in two minds about it. I mean, one is like, oh, it's just space junk going around in an orbit around the sun, and they'll stay there for millions of years, and do we need more space junk? Then it's like, could we have put something more interesting? Could we have put something, you know, with science on it that was going to go around these things and measure something? Maybe that would have been more worry. I also, I don't want to be boring about it. Like, it, it, it looks, it's completely surreal when you look at the photos and the, the, the live stream. I mean, I like it. It's surreal. So I think that, that's good. But maybe, maybe more could be done. But if you own your space, own space company, you own your own electric car company, you can kind of do what you like. And I guess that's why people don't like it. It feels a bit kind of like, oh, I have all this stuff. I'll do whatever I like. And I, I, I don't care about the rest of you with space. I'm going to put a, up. So it, it's, it's cool, but I, I can see why people wouldn't like it. David, one thing I'd love to yeah. ask you about is the fact that he managed to land the two Falcon rockets on the yeah. space pads. Can yeah. you tell us a bit about how that's possible? That, that, that is the best bit of that. It's the engineering bit, and I'm an engineer, so that's what I like. And also control systems engineer, which is the bit that makes those things kind of happen. So like, firstly, they designed the rocket in a clever way. Right, because the Falcon Heavy uh, rocket is three Falcon 9s, which is the original rocket, taped together into one big rocket. And he'd already been sending those light Falcon 9s uh, up to space and returning the first stage. So they're kind of fit with all the fuel in the engine. That's been landing back in Earth. That's fantastic. That means it's reusable. They can refurbish that and completely reduce the cost of, of, of the flight by, by a massive amount. Somewhere between factor three and ten. How they do that is is fantastic. So during the flight, first first the two boosters on the side they break off, and they're not they're kind of early enough in the flight that they can turn around and basically land where they took off from. So they fall off, they do a flip, and then start burning so they can go backwards and then land on on the launch pad. And then it's a game between keeping enough fuel in those boosters that you have a bit of energy so you can maneuver them, but not keeping too much because then it's just kind of wasted weight and it's going to mean that your kind of main mission isn't going to work. So use a mixture of kind of little thrusters and these fins that come out, aerodynamic dynamic fins. So it's a bit like you get a control surface like an airplane, so you can kind of, you know, like a rudder kind of thing, so you have some sort of moving, uh, moving around. So a mixture between GPS, accelerometers, gyros, things that are like in your phone and know that your phone can switch from one orientation to another. They have sensors in there that have that kind of same technology, so it knows which way is up. It has GPS, so it knows which way is where. And yeah, it, it took them a few goes to get it right, but now they just land them perfectly, and, and it's, a, it's a, an amazing piece of engineering. Uh, that's the bit I love about it. I hate the car. You know, I don't really like the car, but I really like the landing boosters. Are no. they being pilot somewhere? No, that's, that's all automatic. That's, that's Does the control. It works out itself, yeah. So it, it has an algorithm on it, and it's a vague algorithm, but it has a piece of code that says, right, you're here, you're going this speed. Okay, now your final thing is at zero speed at this place on Earth, and how do you get back from there, from one place to another? And it works out the trajectory to do that, and so it has a constant feedback. Rocket. Yeah, it has a constant feedback of where it is, how fast it's going, and which how it's orientated. So then that allows it to kind of adapt with its, with its uh, thrusters and its fins to make it stay on the trajectory that they want. So it's completely automatic. There's definitely nobody flying it. So two of them land on Earth. The other one separates further on in the flight. 
so it's going a lot faster. So it doesn't have enough fuel to do this turnaround and land where it took off from. So it keeps on going on a arc, the trajectory that it's going. And hopefully they try to figure out where that's going to land and they put a floating sea barge there. So in the ocean is where it's going to land. And they have this massive platform that is autonomous as well. It, 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 it thinks for itself in a way. And it tries to land on it. This time it missed by 100 meters or so and exploded. But they'll get it right. They've, they've, they've landed ones on, on barges before. And then again, so that's the third part of, of the booster. So you're nearly sending back all the rockets will be back on Earth. So and only the bit that you want to go to space is, is, is pretty much getting up there. So that, that's super cool as well. And again, that, that works by using GPS and sensors and trying to figure out where it is. And, and you know, it, it's just cool to land on the sea barge, I think. I don't know. That got increasingly underwhelming. You go from the most high-tech rocket to a barge, mate. That wasn't going up. <laughs> I love it all the same. <laughs> it's a big barge. <laughs> and so it's like this. But I mean, the idea is, it, 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 as it lands, it lands softly. The, the, hopefully, and the rocket's coming down and getting closer and closer to the platform. It starts firing its thrusters uh, up to kind of slow it down. So it basically tries to hover over the barge and then just gently settles down. Obviously, if they get a little bit wrong, there's a lot of fire and uh, explosions. You know, that's good as well. And, and so. no barge. <laughs> They've had to rebuild the barge quite a few times. But, um, you know, if you're, if you're Elon Musk, it's probably okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> they, they got a bit of cash. <laughs> that's true. This is fantastic, um, I guess. This means we're getting towards the world of, of eco and reusable rockets. So I suppose my big question for you, David, or my, I've got two really big questions. First of all, okay. what comes next, really? For for those boosters, the boosters that came back, they'll, they'll, they'll get refurbished and they'll go on the next Falcon 9. So the next one will be cheaper and they'll do it maybe up to 10 times. So that means we're reducing the price per kilo of stuff to space. And that's the big message. So if you want to put up a satellite, right, and SpaceX are a commercial space company, so you could go to them and go, we have one level of human satellite, we've made it. How much should you pay to put that up, right? And Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
they're looking at trying to get a price of about a thousand dollars per kilo. That's kind of a a way of, of aiming. At the moment, it's maybe you know a, a good bit more for the shuttle. It's about sixty thousand dollars per kilo. Wow. So you might have your one kilo satellite. You could put something up if if it got cheap enough. It's 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 that kind of change that is happening. So the the future is smaller companies, smaller you know more research groups would be able to put up satellites in space because the cost of that isn't prohibitive anymore. You don't need a hundred million. You might be able to hitch a ride for you know much less. So it's going to open up space. That that's kind of the, kind of the short term. There's also the exploration bits of it. Okay, so now we have a rocket that we didn't have since the Apollo era that could kind of put humans or, or um, you know, uh, robots or any of these payloads to the kind of planets that are, you know, further away. So, so, so since 1972 and Apollo, we've only gone to the International Space Station. So we've only gone 400 kilometers up, right, which is kind of the skin of the Earth. It's just about the Earth, right? You were just, just about outside the atmosphere. But it's a lot further to go to Mars, a lot, 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 lot further to go to Mars. A lot longer to go to Jupiter. Yeah. We can send heavier probes to Jupiter. We can send possibly humans. So it's we're getting back to that Apollo era, that excitement that we're going to be building machines that will really allow us to do it. Because I wasn't around when the Apollo era was going around, so I missed that excitement. So it feels like we're getting into a stage where these things are going to happen again. Indeed. Well, we're on that in that case because Rachel's not going to care about the answer to this, but but I really do, and you really do. But what does this mean for the Irish <laughs> space program? <laughs> What do you mean? Well, I mean, it's great. So, I mean, one thing I'm involved in the aerospace program. So, uh, we're, we're again, we have lots of companies in Ireland that are, uh, you know, that build bits, bits of communications, bits of satellites, materials, coatings, that kind of thing. Yes. We're building our own. I, I mentioned the price per kilo. So, I'm involved in, in, in UCD building AirSat One, which is Ireland, can be Ireland's first satellite. Cool. No, this is fantastic. This is exactly cool. the point. That's good. Yeah, we're a little, we're a little bit behind on getting our space program going, but we're building our own satellites. So it's going to be launched. It's going to be a CubeSat, which means it's a, a, a small satellite. It's going to be 10 by 10 by 20 centimeters, and it's going to weigh about two and a half kilos. And it's probably going to go, it's going to launch in, in late 2019, 2020, and it'll go up possibly on a SpaceX launcher. It's going to be SpaceX or Orbital Sciences or uh, probably a Japanese launcher. And it's for projects like this, where we were going to build, this is AirSat 1, we we're going to probably build AirSat 2 and 3 and 4. And how are we going to get them to space? How much is it going to cost us? So for small companies, for universities, this is how it's going to affect it because we'll be able to get our stuff to space for much cheaper. You've made me excited about it at least. David, thanks ever so much. It's lovely talking to you. It always is. Thanks, Anne. Thanks, Rachel. It's nice to know there is a, a legacy and still this kind of level of ambition. If all the green stuff doesn't work out, we're going to need a new planet quite soon. So we should be investing in these things. This is what SpaceX is actually trying to do, isn't it, is to colonize Mars. That is a very serious ambition that they have. So the the thing they've just launched, which was three Falcon 9 rockets strapped together. The Falcon 9 is like their normal rocket that they use to just shove things up to the International Space Station and, and whatever. But the thing that they're building, which is going to take people to Mars, is called the BFR. Would you like to guess what that stands for? Is it, is it rude? Well, it might be rude. I think I think inside the company and inside Elon Musk's head, it is rude. But what they actually have called it on Wikipedia is the Big Falcon rocket. The Big Falcon rocket. Ah, you yeah. see, this follows on from a legacy from uh, Doom and games like that, where the, the BFG, 
um, was one of the weapons, and it didn't mean big friendly giant. It was a big I can exploitive guess what gun. The, oh, gun. Yeah. BFG is a big something gun. From yeah. D- That's really, oh, I didn't realise that. So okay, there's well, a whole legacy of the, the yeah. BF, whatever. And while we're on that, like uh, space telescopes have got the most ridiculously stupid names. There's the LBT, which is the Large Binocular Telescope. Uh, you've got the SALT, SALT. That's the large, it's in South Africa. Can you guess what that stands for? Uh, South African Large Telescope. Spot on, mm-hmm. well done. You also got the VLT. Can you guess what that is? Um, the It's even bigger. Venezuelan Large Telescope. Oh, close. It's the Very Large Telescope. That's oh. genuinely its real name. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the ELT, which is even bigger than the VLT? Even Larger Telescope. Nope, a good guess. That's the extremely large telescope <laughs> because we discovered that astronomers have no, Got no sense imagination, of imagination. Yeah. They, really. Well, they're talking about these ways around the world and as you say, what's effectively rich white guys trying to take on some of these large tasks. And I suppose, yeah, it is one of those things that's tricky because somebody's got to do it, but I, I would still rather it was in some kind of public hands. You know, these things seem so important. Well, yeah. that's, that's capitalism for you, I'm afraid. It's yes, just, and, it's and just I have happened. many problems with all of that. We can't well, just when pretend we, that... When we dismantle capitalism, we'll all have loads of fun just sitting around in caves doing podcasts about this new sticks we no, found. No, 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 no. Because here's, here's, here's why I'm saying this. is We have to bear in mind that the Human Genome Project, there was a race against time to try and make sure we couldn't patent genes. There was two companies going for that. One was for public good and one was for more sort of private good. And it's not quite as simple as that, but... For big technologies, which are going to have big effects in our lives and on our planet, where where you're finding rockets that don't respect borders, where you're going into space, which doesn't belong to anybody, I think you need public interest, really, in this kind of thing. Mm. Okay, but while we're on it, uh, another rich white guy doing something. We have Richard Branson. Yes, he's trying to develop the Hyperloop. And again, this is very much in competition to one of your man Musk's things. You're going to have to explain about Hyperloops because whilst I've heard of a Hyperloop, I cannot for the life of me remember what it is. So it's basically, imagine these nerds really like trains and they're trying to, various ideas for these things. You're getting like a maglev train, which is where you've got magnetic levitation, which is as cool as it sounds. That is cool. That is really, really awesome. Uh, I've been on a couple of maglevs and... Actually, one of the first ones was uh, here in the UK. It was at Birmingham Airport. But the really good ones are being developed in Japan. They're getting up to, I think it's over 200 miles an hour uh, as a regular speed. And the one in Birmingham got up to a whopping 36. I remember that. 36 miles an hour on a magnet. Yes, I'm, I'm insinuating <laughs> it was rubbish. But this was ages ago that we were oh, using no, this okay, tech. Fair enough, yeah. Nobody had ever been at 36 miles and, an hour then. <laughs> well, this is what Mr. Musk was wanting. He was wanting to have a maglev train in a vacuum tube. And again, I find this really interesting because now they're looking at vacuum tubes being used again. So effectively, you know, like in those old 80 movies, 80s movies, you'd see people putting a note into a, a little canister. And they still oh, use yeah. them in hospitals all the time. They still use the them in supermarkets as well. Oh, yeah, for like bagging money. You, yeah. Yeah. So you put your money in the little thing and then it goes whoosh, up the tube but again, to who knows where. So they're looking on doing things like this and they're getting us all going, you know, pop along. You get into a capsule and then whoosh, off yep. you go. I'd love that. Look at not new stuff. And again, I know because of another strange, weird job I've had. Um, and it'll be opening now, I think. The the British Postal Museum in London mm. takes you down to the mail rail because there used to be a secret underground railway right. older than the tube. 
Right. Which would take mail across London to the various sorting offices. And the very first one back from the, oh, it would have been the 1860s and 70s, was a pneumatic railway. So it was literally huge, big tubes. And sure enough, some people went in it just for the experience and then described it in ridiculous Victorian detail of, oh. wow. But, you know, this is the same stuff. And now we're back using this tech now in the hope that it might be green and might save people and might get us under the Atlantic to New York and San Francisco from here in no time. Yeah, I, I can believe that. And and it would be exciting. I, for one, am very happy to get in a tube and be pinged over to New York in half an hour. I think that the thing about the rich white men, though, is to remember the thing about dolphins in The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is that man always thought that he was the best species because he had developed the wheel and fire and space rockets and so on while the dolphins had just spent the entire time dicking about in the water. And the dolphins knew that they were the best for exactly the same reason. It's just penises are so ugly. They, the rich white men have got to really commit to them by making massive metal effigies of them and blasting them into space. I think. I think that's what we're up against. There's really nothing. You I'm can just say leaving about the silence that. to see how how far you can dig into this. I've dug. I'm down. I'm scraping the barrel at this point. I think when you're onto a really good rational argument, my best approach is just to completely sideline us with some kind of pornographic whimsy where are you to be found this week oh, i've got a busy couple of weeks coming up um this is kind of getting into science season of science week in march coming up but uh on sunday actually i'll be in brighton science festival uh performing look up which is my show for families about the science of space science i guess not not astronauts but astronomers and things okay. how can we learn from space oh cool and i'll be doing the same thing again another great festival in deptford in london uh smash fest on the 15th and 16th of february and then later in february i'm off doing kind of similar things and slightly different things in belfast for northern ireland science festival so it's science festivals back to back more or less for me at the moment just check them out cool so you'll be found on a train somewhere. This is why we need a yeah. hyperloop so you can get between <laughs> science festivals more easily. I can be found at a gig in Tooting in London on the 15th, which is Thursday. And then on the 17th, I'm going to be at Brighton Science Festival with oh, you. With in fact, me. you're doing yes. that as well. Doing Dead Talks, which is about poor old Victorian scientists who had to look into all the weird stuff that was going on in the world and try and figure out whether any of it had any basis in reality. Spoiler alert, most of it didn't. I love Brighton. That's the Solace Benny as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's a lovely venue and the texts there are fantastic. I've never had a bad giggler. Excellent. You may have one on the 17th. No, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And then we'll be back with another episode very soon. If you have just discovered this podcast, go and look at our back catalogue because this isn't the podcast, guys. <laughs> this is Level Up Human Extra, which is like us just t taking a look at the news or maybe looking at something in slightly more detail. What the actual podcast is is actual scientists uh, using their fields of research to say what the human body should be like in order to be really fit for purpose in the modern world. And then we get comedians to judge those ideas and choose one to take forward for the next stage of humanity. So it's it's big, like, panel, live audiences, festival tents, and it's, it's yeah, really we've cool. Got the, we've got the extremes, haven't we? Like, I think our biggest audience so far was about... Bit over 500. But actually, every time we played Latitude, we've had a huge crowd, which has been lovely, mm. of over 500 people. 
And now, instead, we're in your front room shouting into the void. I enjoyed this one enormously, though. But you, dear, you, dear listener, whoever's ears this is in right now, you mean the world to us as what well. What you have to remember is that I'm a housewife and I have literally nobody to talk to from Monday to Friday. So this is my one human interaction of the week. Yeah, like, and you could have just said that to me. But no, <laughs> because I'm a generation millennial, whatever. I can't just talk to one person. It seems like a waste of time. So, yeah. are you are you a millennial? Just you're, you're holding to, tightly well, onto that because I thought I was just a millennial. If I'm just a millennial, it, are you just a millennial? It depends what your <laughs> definition of a millennial is, and in the definition that I like the most, I am one. Goodbye. Bye. That was level up, human. Hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Wheelie, and supported by the Wellcome Trust. For more information, go to levelupyuman.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.